Bonjour, la classe. Et bienvenue. Welcome to Around the World in 80 Drinks, a podcast that celebrates drinking around the world. And the last in our mini-series, Le Paul de France, where we've been matching the drinks of France avec the world's most famous bike race, the Tour de France, and the race Saint-Fini. Saint-Fini. Saint-Fini, Ben. So this is the last in our series, and it's been so successful, I, su I suggest it will return. I'm Tom Sandham, and I'm joined, as ever, by my fellow thinking drinker, Ben McFarland. Bonjour, Ben. Bonjour, ma petite chou-fleur. Ça va? Oui, ça va bien. Uh, what have you been up to this week? Has it been a week? It's been well. It's been nearly a week. Days. Yeah. What have you yep. been up to? Uh, uh, well, up to? I think everyone will have heard of my exploit. I cycled 100 miles on Sunday around uh, Norfolk. We were due to do it together, but you were very poorly, weren't you? Not COVID. I haven't had COVID. I've had um, yeah, something strange. Sinusitis, but it was it was quite a strange one. It was a lot of sinusitis, but so I couldn't make it, which was tres yeah, uh, disappointment. Disappointment. What's the word for disappointment? Uh, uh, you gutted. Gutted. Okay. Just gutted. But you did yeah. it, and how was it? Well, um, it was. Uh, Norfolk is not as flat as everyone says. I'll, I'll tell you that for starters. Um, you start in Norwich and go around the coast, do a big loop, um, and it was very, very painful around the body area. I can't <laughs> stress that enough. Um, we did it last year. It took us twelve hours because we stopped at every rest point and ate chocolate and the crisps and stuff. This year, it took us six hours. We really stepped it up, and there's three of us doing it. Two of them, two other mates did the 60-mile version because they're yeah. generally weaker. Did they, did they have milk at the finish? They had a little bit of milk at the end. Did they? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a fine one to talk while I was lying in bed. What no, you do. but I mean, but still, I mean, if it's called yeah. the Norwich 100, you don't do 60, do you? No. Unless you're a massive... Well, unless 60 is 100K, in which case... That's okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You found a loophole there, but it's not 100 miles is what it refers to. Yeah. And that's what I did, uh, and uh, we did it in six hours. Just over six hours. It was very, very hard. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Uh, and after about three hours, my body was hurting so much I had to stop at a local spa, go down spa, and Ooh, buy a load of anodine and take loads of anodine. Um, <laughs> Uh, which which helped a little bit, but no, it was very good. And then we went to the pub afterwards. And that the post race drinking is the best bit. It's such an incentive. So that was good, yeah. And good. Uh, did well we raise done. any money for charity? No. Well, I'm <laughs> sure you can throw uh, some money into a. Pot. Yeah, if anyone wants to donate to their charity of choice and hail me as the hero, then please do so. But no, it was good. Knows, your self esteem needs it, Ben. Someone yes. say something nice about Ben. Yeah, before he has a breakdown. And if anyone wants to see my stats on Strava, they're there. Just, uh, just hook me up, guys, and we mm. can uh, we can we can compare wattage and things. We we are both still on Strava. I've done nothing for two weeks, which uh, has been because of being a bit poorly. 
but uh, do follow us because this is although Laurice Satini Laurice Satini the bike ride the bike riding say ne finit pas no. uh, we are going to continue this and we've already excitingly pod bods been talking to lots of different booze brands who like our thinking like us yeah. learning bikes with uh, fine tours of distilleries, vineyards, and breweries. So watch this space. Yeah. More, more bike. Regarde l'espace. Mm. Oh. Regarde cet espace. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Regarde <laughs> cet endroit. Oh, think it's okay. <laughs> yes, regarde. Uh, because Akute, maybe. Akute, Akute pod. Yes. Well, it's also on YouTube now. And yes. like all the cool podcast cats, we are now uh, recording on YouTube. So come and find us on YouTube. Not many people have, uh, but we are putting it through Facebook and social media on video. So if you follow us on those channels, you'll see video content. And it's worth it, isn't it, Ben? Because we've got some hilarious imagery yes. that everyone can enjoy. Um, Sorry, you might be able to, I've got to get some phone interference there. Sorry, it's on Mr. 15% uh-huh. laying out. To, to, to take more money off us? Than yeah, to take on. 50% of <laughs> jack shit. And yeah, the dwindling pot. Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, let's not dwell on that as COVID rears its ugly little head again. Let's, uh, let's move forward. Like the bikes. Yeah, tell me what's happened in the tour, even though most people will know. Well, they will, because we're recording this on a Tuesday after the, after the race is finished. But it will go down in history as arguably one of the greatest tours of all time. Uh, personally, I'm sure you agree, Ben. It has been one of the best to watch if you've been watching it yeah. uh, like us since a, you were a child. Uh, this has been, I don't know if it's partly because it was, um, there was, there's nothing else going on really. And I needed it uh, more than ever. But it did. It felt like one of the, the most exciting races, uh, particularly the way it ended. We've got 17, 18, 19, 20 and 21 stages um, that we haven't covered as yet. And just as a sort of wrap up, because we probably should uh, talk about them a little bit. Stage 17 was Grenoble to Meribel Col de la Luz. De la Luz? Uh, yeah. Col de la Luz. If, if no other reason to wrap up than for you to help me... <laughs> With my French. Yeah. <laughs> it just needs tweaking, really. Yeah. Uh, I can read the letters, just can't make the sounds. Known as a queen stage, this one. Uh, what was quite uh, remarkable about it was it ended up at the Mirabel ski station. And if you did watch it, you'll have noticed they've tarmacked up to the top of the ski station so people can ride their bikes. Which that is I brilliant. Th- I do find amazing and odd that they think people would want to ride their bikes <laughs> up a ski slope they did it so that these lunatics could and my god it looked bloody horrible again i mean they really were in quite a lot of pain uh, miguel Ang- Angu- angel lopez my spanish skills yeah equal to my french he won it didn't he the superman yeah. and uh, there was the a late surge from this this guy uh, and he's from team astana just topping and tailing the race coverage Astana with the idiots who went fast on the rainy stage in Nice at the beginning of all that and made everyone crash yeah Um, uh, so he he got that Uh, the most important thing really was that Roglic and Pogacar 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 they were still in contention 
Stage 18 was Maribel Maribel La, La Roche sur Foron. Uh, <laughs> no idea. <laughs> no sounds idea. Like you're, sounds like you're being... Like, it sounds like a cat being sick. Do I sound like that dude off Hello, hello? Yeah, not <laughs> even that good. At least you can understand what he's saying. Uh, I haven't seen this only once, because um, I can't say it at all, really. And uh, well, that was what was that was famous for? That was famous for the for the uh, end with the grenadiers, Ineos grenadiers. Um, I looked into the Ineos grenadiers. They used to be soldiers, the grenadiers, and uh, so I thought that's what they were referring to. But uh, lo and behold, the Ineos grenadier is just a car, which yeah. I thought was um, no, they're just they're, no, they're just um, hawking um, like Land Rovers, aren't they? Is it a Land Rover? Uh, it's like a Land Rover. Yeah, you can see it there. It's uh, just a sort of ridiculously oversized vehicle that's in no way reflective of all our ambitions to get more environmentally friendly on bikes. I'm sure there's loads of Ineos Grenadier reasons that it is environmentally yeah, but sound. Not, so no, please no. don't hold me to that. But, uh, no, and if they want to sponsor um, the podcast, then they... They're, they're very, very welcome. welcome. Very welcome. <laughs> As our Skoda, the car in the background of the next yeah. picture. Which is the two riders from Ineos Grenadier. And the reason it was quite famous was because about 30k, these two riders from the same team had, had pretty much won the, the stage. So they got to just come in together and talk about who was going to win the stage. Uh, which was uh, apparently very, very rare to happen in the bike race. I've never seen it, so I don't know. It was Michael Cow Kanawakawaski. Kwatawaski, yeah. I put, a, I put a five on him to win that stage, and he, he came good. Yeah. yeah. And you he must have been, if you were watching it live, you must have been sat there going, go on, let him win. <laughs> Please. <laughs> yeah. When I didn't appreciate the, uh, the camaraderie of that finale, I was mm. like, just... If you give it to that other guy, I'm going to smash your face in. Well, did you watch it? I mean, they didn't really mm. talk about this, but uh, they obviously decided who was going to win because Carapaz, who was, who was his teammate, got the polka dot journey on that. So he was going to get a podium finish as well. And as they came over, it was very, very close, almost a photo finish. But uh, Kwatiwaski, Kwatiwaski, he actually looked down at the line to make sure his wheel had crossed first. Yeah. So there was this whole, oh, we love each other, we're so happy, uh, but I better have flipped one because if I haven't, I'll be well cheesed off. Um, and he did. Well, did you know that the prize money gets shared amongst the team? What, regardless? I didn't. So there know was that, a no. there was an article in Cyclist magazine, which um, and it. It explored how much, well, uh, how much the winner gets. Mm. Um, I won't tell you who the winner is because you're going to tell us, obviously. Well, you you can, but uh, it, it the will winner be a reveal. <laughs> well, the winner, the winner overall, if you put all their yellow jersey um, prize money, stage Stages, money, yeah. up, they're winning various little mountaintop um, added points, stuff like that. Mm. Um, around how much do you reckon that is? How much? Do you Million? Mill? No. Half a mil? Six hundred thousand euros. So yeah, okay. about five hundred grand. So um, that is. Um, oh, yeah, so, they so do get they, paid quite a lot as as the, the top boys, don't they, over the year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's obviously all the money that comes off the mm. back of the sponsorship and everything, but. That gets shared amongst the rest of the team. Oh, right. Okay, and then all of the does. winner, yeah. who you're going to reveal shortly, yeah. then apparently it's tradition for him to buy the rest of the team each a Rolex watch. So by the time he's um, 
He's By done. the time he's paid out, he's I been think, done. He's done. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you compare that to other other sportsmen, that's the equivalent of an England cricket cricketer sort of World Cup one day cricketer mm. winning the World Cup. They get about hundred grand each. Mm. I mean, so, it's in the wider context of NBA basketball contracts and football, even Premier yeah. League and. Uh, the yeah, Gareth, Gareth Bale on 600 grand a week and he's been playing golf in Spain for the last yeah. two years as far as I can tell. I do. I, I, the, for, this, this really should be held up as one of the most important sporting endurance races com- contests yeah. on, on the planet. And yeah, yeah I mean, not getting enough who... to sort of kick back and say, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> it's, it's really quite mean isn't it they used to say that it takes years off your life doing a tour and um i don't think that's fair reward for no. the amount of misery well, it seems someone, to someone, i mean you obviously can't empathize with this uh you've got no experience of hard racing that i had to enjoy over the weekend but as someone <laughs> who did you beat on the team in this who, race <laughs> who did you beat north I did the North at 100, and I can... Yeah, which is 160 kilometres, listeners. So, you know, I mean, remember the other week, I did 120 just before breakfast. So you... you, you Yeah, yeah. and then you were ill for two weeks. I was ill for um, two weeks, but you haven't made it yet. You haven't made it yet. I know you can't walk properly. I've got a very sore body. (laughs) Very sore. Full dead. And also, the other thing you've got to watch out for... Folks, if you're listening, if you're going to do a ride like that, go yeah. into the old uh, energy gels. That's another <laughs> bit of advice I've got for you, because I hit the wall, not literally, but mentally and physically, and I decided to uh, consume some of these little gels. Hit the wall? You hit the system. about angles. It hit the fan, that's for sure. It hit the fan above me. Oh, indeed, all my walls. God. It's, yeah, that plays havoc with your insides so uh yeah you drink lots of water you've got to keep the water going so they do work but they have some terrible terrible side effects okay anyway let's get back to the race let's go let's go on to the last three stages quickly uh stage 19 was bourgogne-bresse to champagne which was back in the jura actually we did a lot of the jura drinks in the last podcast if you're interested we covered all of that region it was won by uh soren craig anderson who's who'd already won a stage as well and he made a break for it last sunweb team they've done very well i think they're team of the tournament i think they're team of the tournament ben and i'll tell you for why because i did a little look into what they do and these guys um they they have holidays that's their business and they do include skiing holidays really i'd like to say i'd like to take this i'd like to take this opportunity to say to sunweb you get our very own personal congratulations and anytime anytime you'd like to uh to invite us out on one of your skiing trips yeah we'd be delighted i mean if i if i was a dutch person and i lived in holland and i was looking to buy a holiday in any of the major ski resorts of Europe, and I wanted a good deal that was well organised, came with all the necessary travel arrangements. I would go to Sunweb every time. Sunweb are my brand of choice. Yeah, and it's Sunweb, 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 Sunweb. Yeah, if that's helping getting into people's subconsciousness. Yeah, but please, please, can I go on a skiing holiday? Please. Take me with my family, please. I don't care if it's riddled with COVID. I'll take the chance. <laughs> I'll take the chance. It's better than this. 
Uh, big day for Sam Bennett as well. He kept the green jersey. We'll come back to Sam, the Irishman, who was keeping it up all the way towards the end. Not an easy jersey to get off uh, Peter Sagan. And so, but crucially, that stage ended with um, Pogacar still 57 seconds, a, a seemingly unassailable 57 seconds, behind his Slovenian rival Roglic in the battle, one-two battle for yeah. GC. And then what happened, Ben? Well, well, tell me, 20. Lure to La Planche des Belles the time trial. Dun, dun, yeah. dun, 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 dun. And this really wasn't supposed to be anything other than a, a, a standard time trial for the Rog versus. Yeah, I mean, even um, the Jumbo Vista um, chief mm. said, uh, even before the race, he said, Well, we've got. I put the chances of winning the tour at 95%. Wow. Which is... Big talk. Big, big talk. talk. <laughs> uh, not, unfortunately, coming to fruition. Because uh, Roglic, well, he didn't really choke. But the time trial is just one man against the clock and each rider goes separately and have to race mm. the clock down. And, and he was the last to go, Roglic, as the yellow jersey wearer. And Pogacar went before him what they did brilliantly if you watched it live was they showed these two riders because they were on the course at the same time and they did their time splits and you just watched as unbelievably Pogacar started to eat into Roglic's time and and then fairly rapidly took it apart and as it as it happened Roglic just seemed to slowly but surely deteriorate come apart and it was really quite painful to watch it live because I like Roglic. He's got quite a cool story being a, a ski jumper and turning into cycling and yeah. uh, pretty amazing that he went into a different sport very late on and he was here to take the yellow jersey. And I, so I felt a bit sorry for him as I watched him collapse on it, really. Uh, but it must, it must be very painful to, to realise that you've lost it. Mm. But no... You still have to cycle up a fucking hill. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I would have just. It's not like just, you can stop. <laughs> I would have just thrown my bike into the valley. this. <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, the incredible thing was he finished about fifth on the uh, overall standings behind two of his Jumbo teammates who were who were very very good at it, uh, and the, and Pogacar who smashed it by about a minute twenty two, and so in doing so. Claim the yellow jersey on the final time trial stage. It's incredible as a sporting as a sporting yeah. achievement and a sporting moment. You can't really uh, underestimate how that stands in the test of time. You can't overestimate, sports history. You think, can't yeah. overestimate it. Yeah. It's um, it's really it was incredible. And no one expected it, and the 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 Jumbo teammates were stood there just staggered watching it happen. And they, it was um, it was amazing. It well, was it looked. I mean, sports gold really. at seventeen kilometers. Bogachar overtook, actually physically overtook Lopez, mm. and who had left two minutes ahead of that him. That dude who we were talking about before. If seventeen. Video, he made up seventeen two minutes and seventeen kilometers. Oh. And that's not that's not him chasing me. That's him chasing no. Lopez. Who's, who's good? Who's, 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 who does it for a living? <laughs> he's 
He, done, he, doesn't, I mean, he doesn't expect some sort of medal for doing I got 100 a miles. I got a medal. <laughs> and and hitting his pants at the same time. You know, when I dropped the kids off at school this morning, I wore the medal. Yeah, so to speak, still eating those gels. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really wear a medal to the... But I can see that I think a lot of the I bet ladies, you showed your the, kids. No, I haven't actually. <laughs> you must. Uh, no, it's I will do. one of your very few achievements. Oh, no. I know. I'm here to tell the, you, um, I would have worn it through the door. <laughs> yeah. In fact, it's the only reason I'm going to make sure I'm not sick next year and do it, just to get that bloody medal. Uh, <laughs> I just want to annoy because the people, that the, the lads, yeah. my mates who did the 60, got the same medal. Really? That's helpful, isn't it? It's a disgrace. But theirs came, of course, with a saucer of milk. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I hope they're listening. Um, the uh, a very quick right. word on um, uh, the Australian uh, Richie Port as well. Oh yeah, who, yeah, because he did really well in the time trial. There he is. There's Richie in a time yep. trial, and he rode himself through that time trial into a podium position. And he is a 35-year-old man, so proof we could still do this if we want. Nine years, ten years, <laughs> ten years ago. And uh, he gave up the seeing, witnessing the birth of his daughter to be at the Tour de France race. So he was pretty cheesed off for most of the race. Uh, they talked about it a lot, how much he'd sacrificed over his entire career. And he's crashed. He's had all sorts of bad luck. They thought he'd win it. And then he did this amazing ride and he got himself in, onto the podium, which was, uh, was very good for him. I'd argue, though... Um, the, the missing the birth of your second child to be at the tour. Well, of Tom, I don't know if, it, if, if if I don't know what the rules in Australia are at the moment, but I heard the other day that with these COVID restrictions, you as a father are not allowed in the uh, in the room at the moment for the birth of your child. There was a, a phase for that. I didn't know that still was going on. Goodness me. Uh, but you were allowed in the pub with your mates. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 suspect, I suspect there was some foul play when it came to writing that piece of guidance. I think that's direct for <laughs> Boris Johnson, who is just <laughs> yeah. never there. He'd just be so busy. <laughs> yeah, just, I mean, he couldn't possibly be at the birth of all his children. He had to and put some legislation out there to make sure he didn't have to keep turning up. <laughs> he just couldn't get anything else done. Uh, there we are, some satire. Yeah, um, maybe. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe he got one of his MPs to go there instead. I don't know, someone like Zach Goldsmith, or maybe some other people. Uh, yeah, other MPs. I don't know. That's a um, random choice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Other yeah. MPs are available. Yeah, they well, <laughs> are they? <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> no, no, because no, he's closest to the hospital where. Oh, he's, I he's, see. he's MP for, yeah. for Barnes and Richmond, okay. and um, yeah. that's close gotcha. to where she had the baby. Right. Gotcha. Right. Champs-Élysées, final stage, usually yeah. seen as a procession. Uh, that's what they all say, isn't it? all the commentators. Uh, but it still has to be done over the cobbles. Fantastic uh, uh, Champs-Élysées with the Op de Triomphe. Um, and there's the winner of the, he comes in in his yellow jersey and everyone gets behind him and lets him come in first. Uh, Pogacar, uh, the Slovenian, who was uh, eventually crowned the winner of the Tour de France. Nothing well done for him on that final stage. Only 21. 22 the day after. Unbelievable skills. Unbelievable. What were you doing at Almost 21? Almost unbelievable. <laughs> <It's> incredible. <laughs> we well. have to get 
to at some point. But um, yeah, how do you do it, Pog? <laughs> well, uh, should we put? I mean, during the race, um, it's a bit like an election, isn't it? I find that during the election, you have all these MPs and politicians steadfastly, unwaveringly being following the party line. And as soon as they lose, they'll go, ah, well, I wasn't that into it anyway. Yeah. This was all going on. Yeah. Um, actually, loads of people were taking drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Is that where you get yeah. that? No, 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 no. Yeah, the analogy doesn't really stand up. I've not thought it through. No. But anyway, you know what I mean? It's they just like it's not mentioned. They clearly had robots in their bikes. <laughs> Well, it sort of flared up towards the end when yeah. uh, the Jumbo Vista director got got um, uh, got sent off, basically, didn't he? He got yeah. uh, removed from the tour because he had a <coughs> massive meltdown and attacked one of the um, inspectors for taking apart uh, Roglic's bike, who apparently, and I didn't know that this was for mechanical doping, this idea that they can put things in the bike that enhance its performance, such as engines, <laughs> motors, <laughs> motors. I mean, this. I mean, this really was news to us, and I've watched the tour for many years and really enjoyed it. Every year, it's it, that that sort of Channel Four or ITV Four has it become the mm. uh, post post race highlights where you sit there with your twiglets and your beer and you fantastic. But this is really the first time I've heard the the mechanical doping thing come out in this way. So it was a bit of a surprise because I don't agree with with like people doping, but um, but at least I think that's a biomechanics, and you're just getting the most out of a human. They still have to do the work, mm. even though it might be a bit easier with some drugs in the system. It's you know, especially when you're in the Lance Armstrong and everyone was doing it apparently, allegedly. Yeah. Um, so, but to put a, a, an engine on a bike, I mean, it's not a it's not a motorbike race. Shit. <laughs> don't like that this really I, is against i am against really. that <laughs> but they were not saying that they, they didn't find anything did they no they didn't not with with him but the fact that it's even being discussed they were like remarkable. imagine being the inspector coming and going hi guys yeah just need to check whether you've got a, an engine do you mind no no go for it well, why why did you take that stop at a petrol station <laughs> <laughs> it's really weird i find that the idea of it far more distasteful than the drugs strangely but uh, the drugs are also well i don't know what they taste like <laughs> it could be really yummy yeah. but it does leave a bit of a sour taste in terms of the idea that it's still knocking around in the sport but they there are now so so post race beyond the mechanical doping now are now the race is coming under scrutiny for uh, there's been there's been a couple of raids of hotels and things haven't there and mm. um, uh, it's surprisingly for some of the, the lesser teams. Yeah, I mean, if, you, if you're one of the crap teams that haven't done very well and you've taken drugs, then that is... Yeah. But i tell you what... Quintana, I mean, Quintana's I mean, room was raided uh, after stage 17, and he finished about 17th or 18th, I think, in the race. And, and you think, well, uh, I mean, the drugs don't work, really, do they, Quintana, if you're finishing in 17th? No, then you're but he is Colombian, and I'm not... One for yeah, well, as well, you know, Tom. But <laughs> nor am I. If you're gonna, if you're gonna raise nationalities, if you're gonna pick a, a room by nationality, and you're looking for drugs, 
maybe the South American riders would be your first port of call. Yeah, I, I think the other thing, the UAE team that um, Pogacar rides for has got uh, got a, a character in there who's been done for doping. And the problem with it as well, I think that's that must be a wider issue that there will be people still knocking around the sports who've had bans and come back. And mm. um, but as a as a one of the, the pieces in the Guardian actually, I think pointed out, or, or or I heard it on a podcast. Apologies, whichever it was. Uh, the the prob the bigger problem is that the people in the sport are not they're, they're clamming up again. They're not talking about it. They're saying they don't want to take a question like that because look what we've achieved. We've had the amazing race and. Oh, and no one got COVID, yeah, so. so let's just shut up about the drugs issue. Come on, man, let's just enjoy it. And that's the worst thing for the sport yeah. is people don't talk up. So let's hope, let's hope nothing comes out. If it does, I might just ignore it. I, the last, the, yeah. I went over to the Champs Elysees with my wife Claire, and we watched Lance Armstrong coming in the, the final year he won it, and it was an amazing thing to be there on the Champs Elysees and see them whizzing past seven or eight times and. Uh, and it was a big highlight of my sporting observing life. And, and then he, he find out he did all the drugs. It's like, oh, man. Um, no, but I just have to ignore that because I really again, enjoyed Tom, that day. Again, Tom, I to, I, let me take you back to Sunday and the, the hell that was the Norfolk 100. And uh, I, whilst I was battling the elements and my own body and soul and mental well-being, I did think, Taking drugs is fine. This is my bum was hurting so much. I would have, I would have had any kind of injection in there. Um, Where do you draw the line? Is anusol yeah. a banned substance? Is anusol is anadine? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What happens if you? Uh, I mean, is, is showing is that cream, that body cream mm-hmm. drugs? That's helping performance me. Performance enhancing for sure. Definitely, definitely. Uh, I, um, I the amount of times I've been rubbing that anusol on my bum and been able to, you know, walk was yeah. My legs together normally. Uh, and what's the difference between taking an EPO and taking a like, footballer's take a cortisone injection? Mm-hmm. Numb there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, well, now you're getting into the serious yes. end of it rather than the flippant body yeah. end of it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's it's a discussion for for another time. And as as our um, in- incredible idea of blending cycling sport with alcohol continues then i'm sure we'll be called upon as commentators yeah exactly <laughs> on this very so, serious issue of doping and, and now and, then, and now we and cut now, to uh now we, get we to talk, talk to, to you. thinking drinkers who uh <laughs> who have a picture of, of a pastry shaped like a penis behind them for some reason well, because we are in the dr- dome yes. area, and they do these pastries <laughs> shaped like corks. What do you think about doping? Don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Can you take it on your bum? <laughs> yeah, we're definitely going to get called in on that. Um, yeah. Well, well there that we go. Us, um, it well, does. I just a quick, you and a few... quick word. Quick word. Just mm. can I just say well done to the Irishman. Uh, Sam Bennett, just to wrap yeah. that one up. He and Adam Yates. He he came in the top ten. Yeah, Yates finished in the top ten. Uh, the Irishman, Bennett, he won the sprinter's jersey. Important to say, that was the only other jersey that was on offer because Pogacar didn't only win the yellow jersey, he won the polka dot jersey, so his jersey, so his king mm. of mountains, and the white jersey because he was the best young rider. So Incredible. Literally. Incredible. So there we are. That's the race. It was he amazing. cleaned up, but it was, was he? Is he? 
<laughs> Still being assistant. Uh, I'm, I'm sure know, he is. Never taken I'm it. sure he is. And so there we are. Uh, great. The Tour de France was a huge success. Yeah. The, the, but I want to tell you a little about, because uh, since we last uh, did a pod, we went mm. through the Vercors, which we touched upon, and we recorded it as they were going through the Vercors. Mm. And I want to tell you about it, because I went to uni around here, and there's a good story about these guys, because during the Second World War, in the mountains of the Vercors, um, there was this um, res- team of resistance fighters called the Macri. Macri de Vercors, and they were basically like a, like the A team. They're about about hundred of so it's more it's not not really like the A team actually because there's only four in the A team, but they were like they were all people from everyday life who decided to come go and hide in the mountains and start a resistance campaign, and it started several hundred and later went on to be as many as four thousand, and um, it became like that area of the Vercors which is just uh which is south west of Grenoble became like a magnet for resistance fighters all over France and then the allies the Americans in the UK sent little secret spies to go and collaborate with them and organize stuff um and they they devised a plan to coincide with the D-Day landings uh which and they they decided they were gonna uh, build an airstrip on this plateau in the mountains so when they were invading um Normandy, they were also going to attack the Germans in this Vercors region. And so they had these meetings, and then the Macquay, all buoyed by this excitement, raised a flag with colours of the Republic, declaring the Vercors like a free French state from the, from, from the Germans. And you could see this flag visible from the valley down below in Grenoble. Now, with hindsight, that wasn't a great idea because the Germans retaliated... <laughs> quite majorly and they launched an offensive from Grenoble with 14,000 troops and then they sent the Luftwaffe in uh, who flew in from Dijon and they bombarded they bombarded the shit out of the plateau um, and then and then the Allied Air Forces came in and in an attempt to help the Macqui they did an airdrop of weapons uh, which the locals hid in these little natural uh, like limestone ca- caves um, so the Macri could go and find them and fight with them. But despite this, almost half of all the fighting men were still without weapons, which when you, if you think about it, that's not that useful, fighting the no. Germans. Um, hang on, let me just show you. I'll show you a picture of them. Wait a minute. Oh, hang on. Uh, we're similar. We're similar. Wait a minute. There's a picture of Ben and I as uh, the thinking drinkers yeah, 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 I didn't on mean tour. That. We're okay. not really heroes. <laughs> there they are. If you can see them... Uh, people listening, I'll describe it as loads of French guys, sort of in military gear. Instead, instead of guns, they're holding up big bones of meat, and one of them's cuddling a goat. Um, so they were underprepared. They had a lot of enthusiasm, but they were underprepared. Um, and then it's quite it's quite a sad story, really, because I, if you go walking around there, there's loads of um. Uh, little villages and stuff where they all hid, but they've been destroyed. Um, and th- well, things got worse when the plan for this airstrip that I mentioned earlier was scrapped, and and then every, all the Allied forces just started concentrating on Normandy. So the Macquay, ha- having wound up the Germans, suddenly became these sitting ducks, and the Germans absolutely battered them, and 600 resistance fighters were killed and 200 civilians. 
But despite this heavy price paid, Tom, it is widely recognised that the resistance helped to occupy several German divisions during the landings in Normandy and Provence and helped win the war. But if you speak to anyone who was involved in it, they're still very pissed off that they got left high and dry up in yeah. the Valcourt. But if you go around and walking in the Valcourt, it's amazing. There's all these little villages that look like they've been bombed by the Germans. If you cycle, they have. And you cycle around there. Because yeah. they, they, they've been there a few times on the tour, haven't they? And they always reference these, these yeah. guys. Yeah. They were heroes. History in that and region. They, and there was loads of sort of intellectuals who took up arms and and uh, to no avail. Well, they they contributed to winning the war. Anyway, yeah. so that's the vertical. Uh, yes. And I want to tell you a little bit about Grenoble as well. Okay. Because Grenoble is where I went to university. Yeah. And it's brilliant. And Stondal is the big, uh, he was a romantic realist writer, one of the best French writers in the early 19th century, Tom. Right. And he is, uh, he's kind of the, the poster boy for, for Grenoble. Um, and he said, there is a mountain at the end of every street, which is true. Wherever you walk, you see a beautiful mountain at the end of it. So you've got the Chartreuse to the north, where the, where the booze comes from. Southwest, you've got the Vercourt, where those resistance fighters met their, met their end. And then you've got the, uh, the, um, uh, the Baldon to the east. And then in Grenoble itself, you've got this beautiful Bastille. I'll show you a picture of it. It's absolutely beautiful. Look at this. Look at this. You can get this little up the Bastille. There's a big hill in, in, in Grenoble, and you can get these cable cars up there as well. Um, it's a big university town. Used to be famous for um, production of gloves. Um, now it's a massive place for high-tech nerds. Right, all mm. the computer companies are based there as well. People okay. who were born there. Do you know who's born there? A girl. Andre the Giant. There he is. Of course, yeah. Uh, yeah. Who was born there? And who was he taking? He used to go to school uh, in a truck of uh, owned by one of his neighbours with his neighbour. And who was his neighbour? Well, his his father father was a painter and decorator for Beckett, wasn't he? Samuel yeah. Beckett. Samuel, Samuel Beckett, Beckett was driving to school, and they talk about cricket because yeah. Beckett was a huge cricket fan, and, and also his... Beckett was a drinker, and he was a drinker, wasn't he? Yeah, but he only drank to help uh, alleviate his extreme insomnia. So there you go. Yeah, was Beckett, though, and he was Andre. very um, Andre the Giant was famous. He still loads it. He still. Uh, um, and the unofficial record of number of beers drunk in one sitting, 119 bottles of Budweiser. And he drank 7,000 calories of alcohol every single day. That's equivalent to 53 bottles of beer. Yeah. Um, but he did this to help him to ease the pain of his, yeah. of his, of his rather unfortunate um, syndrome, which he suffered from. It's a glandular syndrome that accelerated his... <laughs> growth in his head, yeah. hands and feet. And I want to show you a picture of, he had big hands, I want to show you a picture of him holding yeah. a beer can. Can you see that? Yeah, look at that. That look gives that. you an impression there yeah. of how big his hands really were. Yeah. Um, and then of course you've got Michel Monge too. Yeah, this, do, this guy. This, this guy. guy. So Michel Monge too <laughs> is, which is French for Mr. Eat It All. Yeah. He had a, a disorder as well called Pika which is a psychological disorder character. I've got that. By an... <laughs> Why are you looking in my window? Just got Pika. Peekaboo. <laughs> it's a syndrome, you know. 
staring through no, your window. No, it wasn't. No, it doesn't involve <laughs> binoculars, and trees, and restraining orders. It's a psychological disorder. Never, never been caught. That he he just it means he's he has an appetite for substances that are basically not designed to eat. So um, and he had, apparently also had a thick lining in his stomach, which meant he could eat basically he could eat sharp metal without suffering injury. Um, and he had very powerful digestive juices. Um, um, but but this also meant that he couldn't eat soft food. So if he had a banana or hard-boiled eggs, it made, it made him sick. But he, he became like a bit of a, a, a sort of novelty act in, in, in France. And he would just um, eat metal, glass and rubber. Um, he ate bicycles, which, would have, which brings us to the tour. Topical shopping carts. He ate a television, and also he ate a Cessna one hundred and fifty plane, which it took, it took him roughly two years uh, between nineteen seventy eight and nineteen eighty to eat. Um, and he would uh, he'd eat about a kilo of metal every single day, and he'd eat, he'd, he'd wash it down with some mineral oil and water during whilst he was eating it. Um, uh, and between 1959 and 1997, he reckoned he'd eaten nearly nine tons of metal. Goodness me. What um, a lunatic. What a lunatic. <clears throat> so, um, and he, he also holds a record in a, in a Guinness Book of Records for having the strangest diet. Mm. Well, um, that's mm, no great surprise, really. Yeah. Uh, it's just plain stupid eating that. Um, well, uh, but, uh, but also he said that... It, 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 um, he had no problem passing his unusual diet through his system. So he would not... Well, he was well-oiled. He um, was well-oiled. Um, but else, yeah, I don't think others? he required the, the annual soul that we are no. of. Well, he so there we li- go. He wouldn't have liked to get back to uh, the, the wider region of mm-hmm. the... Because we're in the Savoie. Now, how do would you say this? Savoie? Because it's the Savoy, isn't it? But, yeah, uh, Savoie. Is it, Savoie. But you say Savoie. You'd never say Savoy. I think the Savoy is the, the Savoy English. Savoy region. So that's how... It, it's a different spelling. So it's... Um, with the Because you have the Haute Savoie. Mm, this is the Haute um, Savoie. It's the same. It's the same region. Um, but what I, what I, when I was looking into the, the, the foods here, because... Mm. I, I obviously, if you've done any skiing in your life, you've spent a lot of time in this region, and um, you'll have, you'll know you get a lot of these hearty dishes in the ski resorts, and uh, and sometimes you just think there's a bit of fusion cuisine that's just well, well, of pasta. But actually, uh, one of the dishes from the region um, is is ravioli, a ravioli du dauphin, dauphine, which would be in the, the, the more sort of drome is is there is there. Isère region, as in Val d'Isère, I assume. Mm, Isère is the river that goes through Grenoble. Ah, so then also you've got in the Savoie region, they'd call it Gratin de Crozettes. And it is ravioli. And I I just, it surprised me that I've been eating sometimes on these trips, these these foods that I just assumed were, yeah, I'll have some pasta. Um, Nothing to do with the region, but this is. And it's just what I liked about the story was the fact that Clearly, there's been a lot of fusion with Europe over the over the centuries, mm. and the Italians have been into that region and out of that region, and the French would have been into Italy, Italy's own part of France, and vice versa. 
And really, you, you, the, these fusions do, uh, they, they happen naturally. And I think it's one of the great things about yep. European, European cuisine that, that we've been allowed to see these things evolve over time. And of course, it's, it's happened here as the French have come here and the Italians have come here. <laughs> so I thought I'd give you a picture <laughs> you of, see what of our ravioli like. and that's what we did with it. And I just, as I was reading through this story of ravioli, it did occur to me that it is really great to be leaving all these burks behind with their lovely, lovely ravioli. I'm, I'm so hard. pleased we're leaving Europe because it means we, we can get back to eating the lovely food we used to have before. Yeah. European enlightenment. Yeah. Well, their also, ravioli is lovely and it's made with melted butter, grated cheese, fried, uh, served with meat, foie gras, fish. And of course, Ben, you'll like this. It's also served with truffles <laughs> and behind me for those who are watching is a picture of a truffle as discussed in one of our earlier podcasts and here is a dog it's... sniffing out a truffle yes we discussed the dogs love truffles and perhaps arguably even make them so, yes um in the form of dog's poo also so, did then, you know tom that i once got embarrassed in a, a in french company when I said j'aime bien le ravioli. Oh, right. And ravioli, R-A-V-I-O-A-U-L-I-T, means hanky-banky in French. Oh. To ravioli means to sort of muck about in bed. Mm, so maybe a, there's as, some sort of wrapping your meat up. Maybe there's some sort maybe. of... Maybe. Uh, yeah, there's a bit of twining of meanings. <laughs> some meat, Green. some cheese... Um, frying it, butter, no, no. rolling it in butter, no, okay. no, none of those. Well, we explored uh, it. Yeah. Um, we, oh, yeah, that was embarrassing. Yeah. Okay. Everyone laughed. Uh, well, well. Uh, elsewhere, you got cake up here. Uh, this is a French brioche, which was invented in uh, in um, the region. Uh, what have we got? It's Saint Genis sur Guier. Yeah, so that's their cake. Uh, so you've got cakes, you've got tartiflettes up there from the Savoie region, some potato dishes, lovely. Chickens, of course. We went to uh, Bourg en Bresse, uh, chickens. So I found a picture over here of those who are watching of chickens playing football. Yeah, it's really funny. I like that picture. It's a shame you can't see the pictures if you're just getting the audio. It's Le Coq Sportif. Two cocks having a kick about. And um, and there's one on a bike. Yeah, it was the best I've ever on a bike. bike. That's good. Um, and of course, there's cheese. Uh, we talked a little bit about the French cutting cheese yeah. all over the region. A picture behind me of a Frenchman cutting his cheese, but the cheese in this got raclette de Savoie. Uh, yeah, it's Savoie. quite funky. Abondance. Um, Abondance. We've got Brésin, Brésin, um, Chevretin. Uh, which is a mold pressed cheese, which is from the region. In Saint Marcelin's from there and there as well. It's really, very, very punky stuff. It's just loads, good and loads of great grub, and all of it goes with the booze from the region as well. Yeah, I'll tell you one, one uh, thing that I did like there is the salad savoyard, which was salad, basically some a sort of smattering of green salad leaves, bake. <laughs> And then bacon, bacon cheese. No salad. I mean, it just goes. I mean, it's just some it's green just, stuff on a plate. It was yeah, heart attack, heart attack. With, wrapped in green leaves. <laughs> oh, God bless him. 
they Brilliant. love their food they love their drink and yes we might apparently have more cheese varieties than them but yeah. they, right. they they do a better job of marketing them for sure so um so we're on to the drinks uh i want to go quite big on vermouth and you've got a beer from l'horizon uh, do, do you want to go with your beer first i don't know do you want to do yeah that yeah yeah this okay, is darling. so we're going mont blanc it's the big mountain around here um and they uh, date back to, well, 1830, if we're really going to go really far back. There's been a brewery of some description you know, of various, I mean, it's passed, it's been passed around, uh, it's changed hand rather, a lot, lot, lots of times over the years, um, as, as is the way. Um, but uh, its current owners took it over in 1999, a man called Sylvain Chiron, who was fresh from breathing life back into a range of liqueurs elsewhere in France. Um, and he, the Brasserie de Mont Blanc, um, do a wonderful wheat beer, which you can get here from the Brasserie yes. de Mont Blanc. Um, they use a spring water. It's an altitude of 2,074 meters. Uh, they use the Enchapleuse spring. Now, you've got to be careful when breweries start banging on about their special water source because some of them will use that water, but you can manipulate water wherever you are in the world and make it adult, make it hard, make it soft, make it, make it do whatever you want. So um, if you're lucky enough to be next to a nice water source and you use it, then that's great, but it doesn't, doesn't really mean anything. So um, <laughs> this is a... <laughs> It does. Well, it I mean, does it does. on the marketing. It does yes. on the marketing, but, you know, come on. Mm. Uh, and this is a Belgian-type wheat beer. Now, uh, if you've listened to our pod before, uh, beyond the, the Pôle de France, we've gone into rice beers and wit beers. Two types of wheat beer out there, Belgian and German. True to form, the Belgians, they're crazy bastards. They'll throw loads of different herbs and spices in there, whereas the Germans... They have the Reinhardtsgebot, which means they are prohibited from uh, adding anything apart from the grain, the yeast, the hops, and the water. So the, this is a Belgian style, and they add a bit of bitter orange peel and a bit of coriander, which is the classic, the two classic additions to a Belgian wheat beer. And um, it is very, very nice, very light, very refreshing. Really very quite got that kind of clove and banana taste going on there as well it's fantastic fantastic it's called la blanche it's got a picture of a big sort of god on it holding up a beer um and i imagine if you were sat at one of the bars in one of the ski stations with this after a nice day skiing it would be absolutely fantastic so mm. that is that's your beer gear. and you can right. actually get you can get hold of it here through from Beerwolf, Beerwolf. and uh, Beerwolf is where we got it, and I think you can get it from elsewhere as well. I don't so, tend yeah. to think of France as a craft beer mm. haven, we, but the more we the more we investigate, we did a we, little bit of a run around, around in Lyon, and Lyon's got some some good stuff going on. And the final stage was in Paris. We might talk about. Have you got a Paris beer as well, Ben? Yeah, I have got a Parisian beer. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Well, so they're getting there, aren't they, with the beer? I, I mean, I like the little beer d'Alsaces that you used to be able to get in the supermarkets I see them so often these days um and no. uh, they remind me of my camping holidays as a child not that i was drinking them no <laughs> well, I, maybe they did so that i'd go to sleep so uh that's the beer i'm going to talk a bit more in depth about vermouth 
because I love vermouth and um, I've got some Dola and uh, Dolin and you've got some as well Ben and that is sent to us uh, by the Whiskey Exchange thank you very much and it is the the vermouth of the region Chambéry and Chambéry is the picture I have behind me a beautiful uh, part mm, of the world very pretty in the, in the Alps uh, and in the Savoy region or the Savoie as we've been talking about which is where French vermouth is particularly uh, famed for, for coming from. Uh, vermouth, just a very, very top line, a fortified, aromatized, uh, so added lots of different ingredients, wine. So you take your wine, you put loads of herbs and spices in and you fortify it invariably with a neutral spirit or with some brandy. Uh, the word vermouth comes from the German vermouth, wormut, mm. meaning wormwood, uh, and wormwood is the the primary bittering agent in all vermouth. Uh, it's a bit like gin needs juniper, uh, vermouth needs its worm, wormwood, its wormwood. Uh, and wormwood, wormwood has a very interesting history medicinally. It was being put into drinks in this region and all over Europe uh, because they thought it could help with loss of appetite, gallbladder disease, intestinal spasms, Ben, which you know all about. I do, I've done some uh, of them on, on Sunday. Perhaps they put those in the gels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or internal spasms. Um, and it's obviously used in absinthe as well, which is where a lot of people hear about wormwood and they think it's all very dangerous uh, because wormwood contains two jones. People think it's sentimental. Mm. Important to stress uh, that there's only a trace amount in vermouth or in absinthe. So that is all nonsense. It's not the drink that's sending you crazy. It's the amount of drinking and your general mental health before you started. So... That's what vermouth is. There are two really, two big countries that are famous for their vermouth, the Italians and the French. The Italians more so, perhaps, they invented it. If you go back to the 18th century in Turin, we had Antonio Bendetto Carpano. He was the first man to, um, to make a vermouth commercially. Uh, we have talked about cocky vermouth in, mm -hmm. in the past, haven't we, Ben? We're big fans of that as a Turin-based vermouth maker. Um, and as a rule, people tended to think of Italian vermouth as mostly red, uh, but also a lot sweeter than the French style. Uh, that isn't necessarily true. The Italians these days make lots of different styles of, of vermouths, um, but as a, as a ge massive generalization, that's the way people saw it. You can get vermouth made in Spain. They, they had their own as the Italians traveled over to Spain. They started making it over there. You also get some in Germany, but the other big country is France and they are generally categorized as making a sort of drier, whiter style. And certainly Dolan, the vermouth we have today, is a drier vermouth. They do also make a red vermouth there, so they can make sweeter vermouths. Um, but you've also got something like Noidy Pratt's, which is quite dry. And it's best used in Un Martini. Mm. Uh, as a rule, you probably getting a bit warm, but actually, I quite like that. It's got, a, got all the flavors there of the vermouth coming through on the gin. That's um, it's really tasty. Um, Dolan is a proper, it's a proper heritage brand, man. It's, 1821, I believe, Tom. Well, yeah, but you can trace it back even further to 1814, in fact. Really? So, okay. Really? Well, yeah, I mean, when you we could talk about the roots of Joseph Cavasse or Cavas. Um, who was 24 years old and he came to the region and enjoyed using the local alpine ingredients to make his sweeties and confectionery and then got into investigating all the alpine regions uh, natural botanicals and started to get into distillation um, and and started to make his vermouth 
more like the 1820s. Um, and it, it was just that general fascination at the time with what was growing around him that helped him to, to take distillation of these interesting botanicals. Was he an early forager? He was a forager. He loved a bit of foraging. Um, and he foraged all the way across from the Alps, all the way to Turin. And it was in Turin where he learned about vermouths. So he came back and started to make these uh, vermouths. Um, when, <laughs> excuse me, my, I'm so poorly. Um, You're right, uh, sweetheart. I'm going to be okay. But when he came back, uh, he, he, when he died, his daughter, Marie, uh, married a Chambéry local who was Louis Ferdinand Dolan, who bought the distillery in 1852. And he was pretty savvy because he saw the opportunity. In was Vermouth. he savvy in the Savoir? He was savvy in the Savoir. And then the Savoir uh, became in, uh, came back to France. So it had been an independent duchy until that point. And then it came into the French ownership again. And the French suddenly embraced the, uh, the, the Chambéry. Yeah, there you go. Now, now, now we're all on side. Go on, let's see what you're up to. Yeah. And they loved this gear. Absolutely of course they did. loved it. Yeah. Um, and it was being drunk in, and by 1880. And you know what 1880 is the start of, Ben? start of the Belle Epoque, innit? Oh, Belle yeah. Epoque. The Belle. Uh, the good times. Good times. Uh, these were the good times, particularly for Dolan, because everyone was drinking this, um, this along with things like Grand Marnier and Absinthe. It was bit, really very fashionable. And that lasted from about the 1880s all the way up to the 1940s. And then, of course... Well, he bombed, bombed the living shit out of, uh, out of Chambéry. Um, and although the, the, the distillery survived and carried on, and we, when we went into the middle of the 20th century, things like whiskey um, and gin and uh, vodka, particularly, other, other spirits made this idea of drinking neat vermouth over ice, which is very fashionable for over you know, 100 years, suddenly it lost, it's lost its popularity. And that's why we don't really talk about vermouth so much anymore but we should it's amazing gear because amazing it's 17 and a half percent so these are the reasons i like vermouth right if you want to if you're thinking of having a white wine on a summer's evening or but you want something you think well i'm not going to get into that now i just want something like an aperitif before that have this over ice with a slice of orange or well yeah slice of orange i'm going to say that 17 and a half percent chilled it's absolutely amazing and also did you know that gordon ramsay when he was asked what three things would you take into you would you insist on having in, in your kitchen before anything else he said some kind of knife i can't remember what it was some kind of stock i can't remember what that was but he also said french vermouth wow yeah because yeah. you add it and to your when you're making a roast chicken whack yeah. a bit of that in yeah. that's a gravy lovely brilliant well, there you go. And, and I think also, go you know, another one, one, one more thing. Did you know what, yep. what the Russian is for wormwood? Wormwood obviously has a very sinister reputation, mm. notorious reputation. Yeah. What's the Chernobyl. Chernobyl is, really? is the word didn't for wormwood. Yeah. I did not know that. That is yeah. good facting there. Because anything that I haven't heard before, I'd heard about the, the French resistance and like to sit here and go. Yeah, I know. I did not know the Chernobyl thing. So that's good. Um, so particularly with Dolan, because it comes from that, that region that's got the Appellation d'origine contrôlée for vermouth. So it's very protected, uh, which means they use real plants rather than pre-prepared infusions in those macerations. They've got over 30 different plants, herbs, roots, roots, spices, 
put into that wine. So there's loads going on in there. It's all real. And it costs Love 15 quid. 15 quid. Oh, that, Jim Appel. 15 quid from uh, the whiskey exchange. And I, I think that's brilliant. But it doesn't stop there because uh, they got so into what they were up to over at Dolan that they started to... Uh, they started to pick the local alpine strawberries and they made this, which is uh, Chambry Zet. Uh, Chambry Zet. And, uh, and yeah, they, so they, they used their white vermouth and they mixed it with a strawberry liqueur. And anyone who can see that, it's, it's red because they put strawberries in it. And uh, Mary Dolan, uh, who was the daughter of Mary Rosalie, um, she started to, they, they took this stuff all over the world then the, the women strong women as you'd expect decided mm. to take a chance with it introduce these these products to the US they went nuts for it they won loads of awards at world fairs and all sorts and uh, this Chambrisette became a really very fashionable again in the early 1900s again it's not something you really see over here but have a, a bit of that with some soda water over ice honestly it is Toy magnifique. Tastes, I think, a little bit like strawberries. Um, Why don't you do fets though? <laughs> yeah, Fres. that. Yeah, that is. Um, that's sixteen percent ABV, so it's a little bit stronger, but it, and it's seventeen pounds forty-five from the whiskey exchange. We talked a little bit about the uh, the branding behind some of these sort of slightly mm. twee French products that you find up in the mountains. I really like the Dolan stuff, and you see a bit like Lille, these really oh, classic brilliant. vintage posters from the from the Alpine. I don't regions. know what the. Uh, do you know what the font is on that? I don't. It's very similar to to our Chartres uh, font, isn't it? And it and just cool. It's very cool. The sort of stuff you would actually have up in your in your house and not yeah. feel like you're too much of a a, a tourist mug, because um, it is quite classic. And finally, just a quick one on the Dolan. Uh, Genepi, which mm. is another drink that we don't really talk too much about. Uh, we talk a little bit, we talked about Chartreuse. Uh, if you ever go on a skiing holiday, there is a chance you've had a bit of Genepi. It's a, a real alpine speciality and they will serve it up in, uh, in some of the bars. And uh, I have a beautiful little bit of glassware from, uh, from one of the alpine ski resorts, uh, which is shot glass, which you can see if you see the video. Uh, very, very petit yeah, and delicate. And you see, you look like that. Genepi for me too. très bien. Now there is also, um, I want to mention, we haven't got a bottle of it, but apparently it is gonna, about to be listed at Fort and the Mason, which is where I go shopping all the Oops. time. That's where I get Oops. my groceries. Um, Good time uh, nominee for Spirits Writer of the Year with the old uh, Fort and the yeah. Mason. Never won it. Never won it. <laughs> Never won Don't it. go there. It's I hate those guys. It's shit. It really is. It's overpriced. You don't they know anything don't, about writing. They don't know anything about that. writing for a start. And another thing, it's overpriced and they don't have any, it's not unlike Lidl, they don't have those little middle aisles where they sell stuff like boats <laughs> and, and machinery and hand tools and things anyway uh, i want to tell you about they sh they will soon be um stocking apparently mm. a mont blanc gin from the saint uh, yes. distillery there's a guy yeah. called james abbott a scottish fellow who moved moved into that part of the world about five years ago and he's collaborated with our good friend tom nickel formerly the tanqueray uh distiller 
who's gone up yeah. there and helped him create a wonderful gin that, that apparently is very nice. Yeah, uh, we haven't tasted it, so uh, and I wouldn't dream of reviewing or recommending a drink without tasting it first. That would be highly unethical, wouldn't it, Tom? It would. Um, I was in touch with Tom this week, actually, who now does a contract distilling for people like this all over the world. and He is one of the world's great distillers uh, because I was sent a bottle of gin that's apparently on the market for £1,200. And I had to write a piece on the Telegraph for this stuff because apparently it's got gold in it. Really? Discussing whether it really has got gold in it, uh, whether it was marketing guff. Um, So Tom's always a good man to go to when you really need the inside track on whether something is accurate. Um, and he'll know about Genepi if he's been up in that world, part of the world, because they do. Genepi itself is a is a bit like um, a bit like the wormwood, but you can't pick it without permission anymore. It's a beautiful flowering plant that lives on the side of the mountains, so it's really rare. So it's quite nice to have that in something, and I think it adds that extra authenticity to the French nature of this and the region that the bikes would have been rattling past. Something that is truly, truly of the region, La region. Uh, and it's as a beautiful is, region yeah as is a the, a quick one on saint-germain as well oh we, yes i mean we're just there's so many things we could talk about we should write a book ben or indeed mm. do this again um for longer uh, saint-germain which is a an elderflower liqueur which is a more modern creation uh, that's been created in during our time and uh, uh, writing about drinks and it's been a phenomenal success Amongst the contributors to the recipe was a man called Simon Differt, who's one of the leading experts in the world of cocktails. Um, and, uh, and they've done really well with that. So it's elderflower liqueur. That's and the bike deal. race, the time trial actually went through Saint-Germain. Um, and and the, the sort of base of the Alpine region is famous for the elderflower, which grows there, a beautiful looking flower. It blooms in spring. If you ever want to go over there and see it, it has about three weeks. And uh, farmers go out and pick it. And then there's a real race on to get the, the aroma and the flavor from that into um, anything you want to use, whether it's perfume or, or in this case, a liqueur. So they have to pick it by hand and they have to get it macerating double quick. Um, and it makes an incredibly delicious uh, liqueur, which is brilliant. with A bit mm. of Sauvignon Blanc and uh, some soda water. In a cocktail, they call it the elder, the, the Saint Germain spritz. But mm. also, elderflower in excessive uh, doses does act as a very effective laxative. Again, much like the gels. So, um, <laughs> See those gels. <laughs> Fet attention, mais petit chouffleur. Uh, so, they're, 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 it's an eau de vie. Um, so it's a spirit they they macerate it in an eau de vie which is so a bit similar to our to our cognac and they, but they use um a chardonnay and uh, gamay grapes rather than the uni blanc grapes very sexy bottle as well actually the uni blanc stuff uh, might be what's uh, used in the uh genipi or they might use a neutral yeah, they're always throwing that uni blanc stuff in they like their grape spirits don't they um, and, uh, and the, the, the grapes come that. from they they do they come from vineyards um What's the meteorological makeup of the vineyards where they make this great? I'm actually, I'm not entirely sure. I might okay. have to ask a master of wine. Okay. Um, I'm, if I had to have a guess, right. I'd probably say. What? Um, well, I don't know. The region is pretty warm in the summer. Right. And then they have quite sort of cold, harsh winters. Okay. 
during the day it's sunny and at night it's not so they they like the day what happens like at night is the uh the, well, the, the sun, sun sun goes to sleep sun goes away sleepy, sleepy has a little butterflies. lie down yeah and then the moon comes out moon of course comes like, out. you don't get actually the moon is not white uh, interestingly it's just it's just a reflection of the sun's rays and the moon is mm. just a big ball of uh, gray rock uh, but it mm. shines at night and so you might think that emits some heat but it doesn't and the grapes struggle they fight so they and, don't um, they so it's cold don't get any cold heat. winters hot summers cool nights warm days yeah tough conditions terroir say terroir terroir terroir, terroir is tough so yeah. they fight and they, and they get juicy and they pick them this important when they're right. ripe when they're okay ripe. right when they're sugar ready, when they've got all the uh, sugars on them. And, yeah. and then they crush them, and then they leave them, and the yeast gets them, and then they turn into wine. It's really hard. Yeah. All right. So that's that. Jesus, man. I'd, I'd... So how difficult was this exam? You know the exam they do, the Masters of Wine? What What are the questions? Because that we seem how, to how do you make it. wine? What's how this? You, make wine? you have to taste it, though. You have to tell right, them go if, it's wine or, if it's wine or not. <laughs> Right. Yeah, that's wine. No, that's water. It's whiny. <laughs> very whiny. Wine. This one tastes of wine. You just, this one tastes of wine. Like, is it wine as in people were like whining? Just whining all the time. You have to spit it out, eh? Yeah. <laughs> that ends. Uh, so that was the Saint Germain is available, believe it or yeah. not, from the whiskey exchange as well. Because, mm-hmm. um, uh, they've sent us all that donut and you can get all those donuts. You can't get those very readily actually, but you can get them on donut on, on the whiskey exchange. So the Genope is worth getting just as a little talking point. It'll cost you a bit more. It's about 37 quid, I think. Um, but uh, it co- does come in at 50% ABV. And the Saint Germain, as well as on the whiskey exchange, is available at Sainsbow. And actually Sainsbury's oh. sent us the bottle because we did some work with them as mentioned on an aforementioned uh, uh, podcast and um yeah we did we did some work with them and they so they sent us a well oh, that was very my favorite definitely my favorite uh, mid to upper range supermarket where's where i do my big shop yeah um historically i've frequented the uh the chiswick branch which has wonderful parking facilities mm. um yeah. and okay. a nice little cafe okay Okay, so let's uh, then, well, let's let's uh, let's quick let's hot step it to Paris. Yeah, well, actually, Saint Germain takes us there um, uh, in in some respects because the name takes its name from the Saint Germain region of Paris rather than Cartier. Cartier, yeah, that we went through. So that part of town, that part of town, that part of and, town. Uh, now Paris has got a thriving craft brewing scene. I mean, yeah, we're going to talk about the craft beer there because they do drink champagne normally as they come into Paris. Well, yeah, I've got champagne and I've got a picture of two city boys. Yeah. City boys. Champagne. Champagne. Um, champagne. Oh, wow. And I did have a bottle of champagne, a Verve Clicquot, and that is a great, great house for yeah. the uh, champagnes. Uh, she is a Madame Verve Clicquot is a story in her own right, which we just covered a bit on the podcast. We'll come, yeah. we might come back to her. We're not going to open it because they weren't allowed to open it. Oh, for some a- reason... Covid restrictions after what three weeks of living in confined hotel spaces, breathing each other's air in the peloton, yeah. breathing sharing the air needles, mugs. No, not sharing, sharing needles, not sharing, sharing the air of mugs who were stood on the side of the road not yeah. wearing masks as requested. And then they couldn't have he pog couldn't have a glass of champagne. Seemed odd. So, um, um, so we're not going to have champagne. We're going to no, have beer. We're going to have beer because beer. Paris currently is home to. 
some very very impressive craft brewers mm. um this this was given to me by an actual parisian um and it's called the mappiness uh brewery um and they are in le avenue fuck in the f-o-c-h tom avenue fuck uh, and it's Samuel Sefussi region hmm. of Paris, Cartier de Paris. And um, they have, I mean, I've just lost my notes about this. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they've got, um, they brew a beer. <laughs> Hang on, shut up. If that's what your notes say. No. <laughs> Thank God you found them. <laughs> For you. Yeah. You dodged a bullet there. No, wait, wait. They no, brew, no, no, oh, no, yeah. No, I'm, it's, I'm, it's I'm multitasking. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I've seen myself removed. Right now, they they uh, use organic grains, and what they do is they they collect up, and there's a few breweries that do this, but they collect up all unused or um, yeah unwanted organic bread from various uh, supermarkets, uh, bio organic supermarkets, and then they use that as the grain to brew their beer. And as you can see me in the picture behind me, there's a big bowl of bread. Oh. Uh, it must be a real pa. To organise. <laughs> Do they make loads of dough out of it? Though? Yeah. Very <laughs> good. Yeah, pat. Uh, must be a pat in the arse. No, uh, that'd be wrong. Uh, <laughs> but anyway. yes, yeah, that'll fit. Um, um, but they make, they make, I really like their stuff. I drank quite a lot of it on holiday. And this is La Bagoude. I don't yeah. know what La Bagoude means, but it's an IPA. 5%. Oh, the master fails on his french language skills you don't, don't know what, know what it means I mean. well let me tell you what it means ben yeah, yeah. it means the baker it's a, it? it's it's a, i don't know <laughs> really no i know it i just baker. pulled i pulled that out of my arms along with my piece Bagel, of pan by god do find um, out before we reach the end of this podcast <laughs> talk about yourselves pod yeah. pods wait a minute we are that's what it says okay we are the we are that can't be right. The we are. That can't. That can't be right. Oh no! Oh no! They've just taken it from. Oh no! They've just taken. They. Oh wait a minute. Uh, Hold on. Just. This is not good. This is not good. Radio, shut your face. <laughs> um, bagode, uh, bagode. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Fuck it. Someone find out. Social media yeah. us. If you, uh, if you, uh, yeah, you, you can yeah. win a prize. But mm-hmm. it's good, is it? Okay. Are you? Are you yeah, other breweries to check out in Paris, uh, which are all listed in this wonderful book, World's Best Beers, which we wrote. Well, mostly we did you, write right? it. Um, we wrote this. Hang on, where is it? Let me just have a little look. There you go. Um, it's well available oh. at all good bookshops. It's got a whole thing on French beer and the Parisian beer scene. Mm-hmm. And some mm-hmm. of the ones we recommend in this are Deck and Donahue, um, which is. Uh, American guys come over uh, to Paris and bring beer. La Brasseur de Grand Paris, Goutte d'Or. That's a good one. You've got the Pan Am uh, Brew Pub. Oh, you've got Brasserie Bap Bap. Bap Bap. Bap Bap. Bap Bap. Nice pair of baps. Mm, and that means come brewed on. Not in, Paris. in this day and age. Not come in this on, day and up. age. Sorry, We're guys. We're above that now. We're above sorry, that. Sorry, 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 sorry. Um, but bat bat means brewed à Paris, and uh, 
boobies. No, it doesn't mean boo <laughs> boobies. It doesn't mean any words. It means brewed in Paris, Paris, and beloved in Paris. Okay. Um, but beloved is the boue, which is a play on words, which also means uh, to drink. Okay. So it's kind of they've been quite clever. Anyway, they've got a brewery in Le Marais. Which you know, oh, I love Le Marais. Yeah. Oh. No, come yeah. on, Le Marais is not. Yeah, no, it's not too bad. Even if you're a, yeah, even if you're a sometime visitor to, it is sitting outside yeah. the cafes there, uh, especially during the week. Uh, Cafe de Paris. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where did you take your wife for? Another was it? Was it Hard Rock uh, Cafe? Did you go there? We we might have had some bap bap while I was there. It was our anniversary. <laughs> And some pa in the arse. <laughs> it was a great trip. <laughs> and another uh, one is the Outland Brewery as well. So anyway, there's loads uh, of uh, loads of breweries. Oh, yeah. good, Paris, good funny enough, as, what a happy as cotton on to craft beer. Who would have thought it? Even the French yeah, are at them. it. Good for them. Um, but it's good. There's some lots of good stuff going. And oh, also talking of bread, de lettre, de lettre. Brewery the, is the window is, uh, is good. I've had some of that as well. What's the letterer's window? No, that's for no, le apostrophe etra. The to be the letter. <laughs> got the letter. on their names. I know. It doesn't <laughs> this beer is called the to be, and this yeah. one is called to the be we are. <laughs> the yes. someone, someone pick an adjective here. And they, um, <laughs> and they do a saison called a Sphinx. Okay. Sphinx can only get better. And it is very nice. Okay, I think we should wrap this up. This has gone on longer than even even our longest. Yes, uh, but it was the last, so it was worth going a bit digging a bit deeper into the regions, so to yeah. speak, or digging right into your regions. Um, uh, but it was brilliant. So thank you again to everyone who has sent us drinks for this little mini series, and we yep. have had loads. We've had lots some of obscure and some readily available. Um, I've enjoyed them all yes and thank uh, you to people who've written in got in touch with us on strava and all the social medias yeah thanks um, to prendas chic chiclismo one yes. final shout out for prendas uh, remind you go and search me. them on your google you'll find loads of cycling gear i'm wearing one of their hats today yeah. that's got all the different jerseys from the tour and then they've given us this watney jersey that ben has pictured behind him but if you don't and if you ben, this is the last opportunity folks when you finish listening to this and only the people who've listened all the way through will benefit from this. Uh, if you promote it on the website, on your social media, tag us in, then we will be announcing at the end of this week who yeah. is the winner. Yeah. And there's a few so, names in the hat, but uh, tell all your friends about it and tell people how wonderful it is and you will be in the running also. So there yeah. we are. Uh, it's brilliant. Um, we do need to slow down a bit now, like the, the Tour de France racers and anyone who did the Norwich 100, I'm sure can attest. Yeah, it's the drugs are off. Keeping the pace up. And we've been doing a lot of these over the last few weeks to run in line with this Tour de France series. So we are now going to push our podcasts fortnightly. There's two reasons for this. Uh, we're tired, but also um, that we've got to write a book and we keep doing these podcasts and they're very overindulgent. We need to write the book, don't we, Ben? So we're mm. just going to break these up um, and it looks like what's coming next is going to be a little mini series again on the history of rum, rum yep. drinks, rum cocktails. So we're going to do those over the coming six weeks, so fortnightly. So if you subscribe to the podcast, you'll get them automatically anyway, and you'll know when they land. If you don't subscribe and you uh, access this in other ways, rest assured we haven't given up. 
we are just going to have to do some of this book or we mm. will be in big trouble and have to give the money back, uh, <laughs> which actually we haven't yet received. Because no. um, we're furloughed. Yeah. We're not working on the book, are we, actually, no, if you're uh, HMRC? <laughs> yeah, but, um, <laughs> but we will be working on the book. Um, yeah. And, yeah, so that's what's happening, our end. And we've got a show to write because we hope to be back in theatres with our fantastic comedy show in the new year, COVID. Fuck off, please. Just fuck off. Oh, so irritating. But thank you for listening to our Pour yep. de France. Please uh, tell everyone about it. Please uh, subscribe, uh, listen, promote it. It really helps. We're doing this for nothing. Um, and so that would really, really help. Yeah. Okay, that's it. We'll put See our baking bowls away. Cheerio. Okay. Au revoir. Cheers. Au revoir. Thank you.